All right, guys, here is episode seven with Jessica Worth. Uh, This is part two where she and I sit down and have uh, a chat about gut health and I guess how this affects your life. Um, So if you have like IBS or bloating, um, we go into depth about this. Um, And also, I guess a disclaimer, we also talk a lot about flatulence. So enjoy the episode, guys, and we will see you later. Girls, welcome to the Strong Girls Talk podcast. We are here to talk all things fitness, mindset and health, practical to the women that we train. So my name is Ellie and along with my sister Georgia and cousin Kayla, our mission is really to empower you to be stronger and fitter, not only physically but mentally as well, ready for all that life throws at you. As coaches of our own gym providing functional fitness for women, we not only coach our clients on how to do deadlifts, squats or pull-ups, we want to help you on your journey of self-confidence and body love. So if you're looking to improve your life with awesome breakthroughs, advice, nutrition, training, and mindset specifically for women, you've come to the right place. Let's go. All right, guys, welcome to episode seven. We're doing our second episode with Jessica Worth, um, who spoke to us last time about women's hormones and nutrition, which was um, a really awesome podcast. We got some great feedback, so um, we're really happy that you guys enjoyed it. Um, And this time we're interested in talking about, I guess, the gut and how that can affect our health because obviously it's quite um, a prominent... um, topic I find these days in nutrition, yeah, gut health. definitely. Well, yeah. gut health is essentially where everything starts, you know. Mm-hmm. If you have a compromised gut, it can affect so many different things. And when I say compromised gut, what I'm meaning is basically one that's not functioning as it should be or optimally. Um, so we could have anything from inflammation to um, allergies or um, excessive flatulence or birthing, bloating, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think, um, I guess a lot of the time, I mean, you have things like IBS as well, which I think we'll, um, we might kind of, uh, cover a little bit, but would you say that that is, um, I guess a product of having a compromised gut or is that something a bit different? Yes. So there's two different types. So there's IBD, which is irritable bowel disease. Mm -hmm. So that is actually like an autoimmune thing. So ulcerative colitis, Mm -hmm. um, but IBS is basically... A diagnosis of there's something going on there, but we can't quite pinpoint it down to anything. You've just got an irritated digestive system. Right, okay, because um, I suppose my experience with um, having issues with my gut has been, especially when I was younger, was quite uh, prominent, I suppose. Yes. Um, and I honestly just thought those issues were normal, like everyone yeah. had them, and it's just kind of what you had to deal with. I didn't realize that. Um, especially when I was a lot long, younger, that nutrition played a big part in, um, you know, the health of your gut, basically. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's a few areas that um, I'm kind of interested in within this topic, um, but I just wanted to start by asking you if you had had any of the issues yourself and yes (laughs) yes I have (laughs) okay let's go (laughs) um bring it on so um yeah maybe you can give us like a little bit of detail about what your story in terms of um your gut health and that being compromised um was and I guess how that fares now yep so it probably started oh god I reckon about maybe 10 years ago now Mm -hmm. I'm probably looking at um and I was at a friend's house <laughs> and we're just sitting there talking and I literally like just fell asleep. No, not a problem, fell asleep for just 20 minutes and she's like, what is wrong with you? Like you're so tired mm. all the time. What's going on? You just fell asleep in the middle of the day, like halfway through talking kind of thing. I was like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I had bloating. I had gas. You know, I was uncomfortable, but I didn't, I wasn't a nutritionist then, so I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor. She's like, I really want you to go to the doctor. Can you go to the doctor? Find what out what's friend. going on. <laughs> yes, I was like, fine, I'll go. You know, drag myself to the doctor. Um, she ran some blood tests. She asked some questions. And basically the diagnosis was, I've got irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, what does that even mean? Mm. Um, and then probably a few years after that, I decided to start studying nutrition, but in the meantime, all I did was just clean up my diet. Like I was like, okay, maybe I should stop partying so hard. <laughs> I know I react to alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. Still to this day, I do. 
And I think there's probably a lot of people out there that do that just don't want to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if I have a couple of drinks, that's it. My gut is terrible for the next few days. I get bloating. Um, I can see it in my face as well. Mm -hmm. My bowels slow down. Like, it's just alcohol and I don't agree. Yeah. Um, So I backed off on the alcohol. I improved my diet and stopped eating so much crap as well. Mm-hmm. And then probably a couple of years after that, I started studying nutrition and learned a lot more about it. And it's, yeah. It all fell into place. It all fell into place. It all place. makes sense. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I understand. Okay, cool. Well, um, I suppose um, for me personally, one of the big things was my bow was very slow. Like I would only go to the toilet um, for another two, like once a week. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was normal for a very long time. Yeah. And apparently it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Which I do know now. Um, and you'll be happy to know, guys, it's fine now. It's all good. <laughs> like I, and we're openly talking yeah. about it. Let's talk about poo. <laughs> I don't poo every day, guys. It's sweet. Like multiple times a day. It's great. Um, but that was, that is uh, not like a relatively new thing, but it was a big change from um, when I was younger, so I had this issue, I went to the gastrologist, they basically said, oh, you will, you need to eat more fruit and fiber, like, I can't really find anything wrong with you per se. Yeah. Um, which was kind of annoying because you have, like, they're like, it's an issue, but we don't really have, like, a solid... There's no diagnosis. Yeah, there's no diagnosis of what's wrong. We think if you eat this way, which was... They said more whole grains and uh, more fibre from fruit. So I was eating, like, a lot of fruit, um, fibre. But for me, that meant eating, like, a cereal in the morning, Mm -hmm. like muesli with, like, canned fruit on top or a banana on top and yoghurt or something like that, Um, which once I stopped eating that way, it completely changed everything. And that can happen, yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting because I started uh, coaching people, one of my friends, uh, who was a not a nutritionist, but had, um, I guess, a lot of experience in fat loss and, and gut health, uh, recommended like a paleo style diet, mm-hmm. which I did. Um, so I was eating like protein and lots of vegetables for breakfast, yeah. lunch and dinner, and it 100% totally worked. Um, and it was a really great result for me. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was really really good. Like I'm really there's glad. There's no better feeling. Mm. We're gonna get graphic here. There's no <laughs> better feeling than going to the toilet really well because you feel lighter and just to not have those gut symptoms. Like you probably yeah. felt really, for lack of a better word, congested and mm. tired from it. Well, I couldn't really uh, like I couldn't believe the the difference really. Like I was really shocked, um, especially just how fast it also worked. Like it was maybe like a week in, and I couldn't. I was like. This is just incredible that I yeah. actually feel this way. Like yeah. I, you know, for so long I just kind of accepted that I just would feel like shit. I'd be like lethargic and tired. Like I would have cramps. Um, I would be bloated. Like I, you know, it was and just. And you talk to other people, and a lot mm, of people have the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. So like oh, it's just what happens when yeah. we get older. It's just what it is. Yeah. But um, uh, really changing the nutrition for me was like a massive change. And I also want to say, like, I don't necessarily eat that strictly anymore, but I still don't have those problems anymore. And I am hopefully going to say that it's attributed to my gut health being a lot better than what it was back then. So it can deal with if I have something that's not necessarily uh, the best thing for me, it'll deal with it a lot better. Yeah. So whole grains, whilst they're really good for you, if someone's got a really um, compromised gut, so um, one that's irritated and inflamed... They can be really harsh for the gut. So removing that from your diet Mm. has allowed your gut to essentially settle down so that you can tolerate a little bit of these foods from now on. Yeah, exactly. And it is really interesting um, because I remember going through it and thinking, oh, my God, am I going to have to eat this way for the rest of my life? Like I did. I didn't mind it. Like it it is really good. But, you know, I do love having bread with eggs or something like that. Like it is, it's one of those foods where I always am like super happy when I eat it. Um, and now I can eat that and it's fine. It's not a problem. Um, but I would say one of the things that I've kept is just having a large amount of vegetables within my diet and obviously cutting out a lot of like processed food. We cook a lot at home. Um, so everything's fresh and, um, I think those those kind of two things for me were the most important takeaways was just lots of vegetables every day and, and cooking uh, fresh. A hundred percent. Like I think 
in today's society, we're a little bit too busy now. Everybody's mm. working, um, especially on the northern beaches. You know, it's generally mum and dad do have to work to pay for the mortgage or the rent and put the kids through school. So we're not cooking as much from fresh ingredients. A lot of people are just buying quick and easy options or um, they are making things, but it's, you know, maybe pasta and a bit of sauce added to it or something like that. So we're choosing a lot more processed foods than we used to. So by reintroducing all of those vegetables, your body would have been loving it. Mm. As an example, for women, we're supposed to reach 25 grams of fiber per day. Mm -hmm. About 100 grams of broccoli, which generally adds up to about a cup of broccoli, is only 2.3 grams of fibre. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, so if you're only eating, you know, a couple of florets at dinner mm. and that's all you're getting, you're definitely not hitting your fibre goals for the day. Yeah. So, um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess, um, how the different types of food that we eat do play a role in the gut. So, um, I've kind of watched a few different documentaries about gut health and things like that. I know, like, Michael Mosley did one on it. He also did, like, a podcast um, with Richard Feather on Conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's very interested in this uh, type of thing, and obviously there's a wide range of research on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess basically what I've taken from it is um, your gut microbiome, the more variety it has in there, so I guess all the little microbes in the your bacteria, gut, yeah, yeah. the types of bacteria, the more variety of them you have and the more of them um, is generally attributed to a healthier gut. So Correct. some people might have some different strains but not others mm-hmm. and they can uh, – they did this really interesting uh, experiment with mice where they did a fecal transfusion fusion. yeah they do um, that for humans oh, they've done it now. <laughs> yeah yeah i actually read a really interesting article of a guy who did it with a hunter tra- hunter gatherer tribe in uh, africa, africa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so he took uh, the fecal matter of a hunter gatherer and put it in himself mm-hmm. um and he had tremendous results where he was eating the same thing and he was losing weight without even trying yeah. and um, feeling very energized and all that kind of stuff just because obviously their gut microbiome is so varied um because yes. it's not just what you eat but also things that you touch like whether you're wiping um i guess like uh antibacterial wipes and yeah. stuff like that cut out all those, those microbes which actually could be really good for you um yeah, obviously I think we're definitely over sterilizing in today's mm. environment now like back when we were growing up it was okay to eat dirt you know mm. like I'm going to say this. I used to eat slugs and snails. Mum hated that. <laughs> She'd always come and, like, hit it out of my hand. But I'm still alive. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Allow kids to get dirty. And it's the same for adults, you know. There's so many people with those, um, you know, the dead old kind of sterilized, what are they called? Antibacterial yeah. bottles at their desk and wipes everywhere. A little bit of bacteria is good for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you obviously just don't want... Um, you know, off bacteria, I guess. No, but it comes from eating off food. Yeah. So, we, you know, you do need to continue eating fresh, not kind of sniffing it and going, oh, should be fine, because that's when you're going to get sick. <laughs> and I think we're all guilty of doing I that. I literally do that all the time. I'm gonna, like, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm on the chopping block, but, um, yeah, I literally... Will smells like, like, not if it's off, it's off. It's never exactly. eaten it. But, like, if it's like a few days old, I'm like, yeah. And my partner is always like, do not eat that. And I'm like, it's fine, it's good for your gut. Yeah, like, yeah. It's got some good microbes <laughs> in there. <laughs> One day I'm gonna like, absolutely cop it. But, um, <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so, uh, can you explain, I guess, a little bit about how, um, this type of relationship with those, uh, your gut microbiome. Um, plays, I guess, uh, a role in your health and vitality and even maybe weight loss, I think we were saying we were going to discuss as well. Yeah, so basically the gut microbiome, I mean, there's millions and billions. They don't know how much, but it's actually in the billions, probably not even millions. Yeah. Billions. It's in the billions. They don't know how much. They reckon if they, um, you know, strung it in a line, you could fill up a whole tennis court with how much bacteria we've got in our gut. Mm. So there are tons in there and there's a whole variety of them. You know, there's E. coli, uh, lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, like there is tons in there. Um, and you just want, you do, you want a healthy balance of those. So by eating foods that ferment in the gut, so these are a lot of your veggies, they're the ones that are going to feed your bacteria. And whole grains and things like that, a lot of that can't be broken down, so that's what's going to um, essentially just go pass straight through the gut. So mm-hmm. 
So you find that, um, I guess, like whole grains, like and even maybe corns and legumes, I'm not sure, yep, I'm going to yep. assume. Um, Leg, legumes are broken down. Okay. So, yep, so they're fermentable, mm-hmm. but corn, nope, that's why I see it in your poop. Yeah, exactly. So yep. unless you, I think I was, I think I heard unless you break like the outer seal or something when you eat the corn, like the kernel. So when you chew? Yeah, yeah when you chew, which no, I don't do. But yes, when you chew corn, apparently, because it obviously breaks that seal, you yes. can get some nutrients out of it. Perfect, um, yeah. Um, so maybe I don't know, cut a corn. Let's see if that works. True guys, but, yeah. like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, such a critical role in eating. Okay, <laughs> think about. I want you. I'm going to test you. Next time oh, you God. have a meal, sit there and chew your mouthful for twenty chews. You have not seen me swallow. <laughs> yeah, I just like inhale things. Like it doesn't. A couple of tips: you gotta put your knife and fork down in between. My husband is the same. He inhales. I'm probably about halfway through, and he's up and done. And I'm like, yeah, that's how me. did you? We need to chew because that plays a critical role as well. Uh, okay, even if I, yeah, I don't know. Do it next time. <laughs> it's just time, man. I know. <laughs> but by chewing, it also gives your brain time to recognize whether yeah. you're full or not. Yeah, for sure. So no. it's a double win. It is a double win. Um, I will let you know how that goes. Yes. But in terms of weight loss, um, basically, you've got to think of your gut as you digest it, mm-hmm. and then you need to actually absorb those nutrients as well. So if you're not absorbing them, you can't utilize it for energy to get through a session here, to get through a day at work, hanging out with the kids, all of that kind of stuff. All of it takes energy be able to get that you need to absorb the nutrients and if your gut is compromised you can't so you're going to be inflamed on the other side of things ah, the thing that follows inflammation is weight gain because mm-hmm. you're do you want to maybe fighting. quickly explain a little bit about like what inflammation is um in the body yeah sure so in terms of the gut um i wish you could see you should have filled this but basically the lining of the gut um is all these different cells and cells are, if you put your two fists together, that's how your the lining of your gut should sit in terms of your two fists are two cells. You want them to be tight like that. So what we call that is a tight junction. If you've got an inflamed gut, like anything with inflammation, it's going to swell. And with swelling comes all these gaps. And bigger portion of portions, bigger particles of food can then get through there and cause even further inflammation. So you're essentially not absorbing through the right ways you're not breaking down food you're not absorbing through the right ways and then you're impacting on that inflammation and when inflammation comes there's swelling Mm -hmm. so there's a lot more water sent to the area of blood and that's why you feel like bloated and heavy and yeah because everything's feeling lethargic as well because you're getting energy yeah inflammation is really taxing on the body yeah because it's um, I was reading like it's almost like an immune response, like something's is, going, yeah. yeah, something's going wrong it's in the your body. Immune system responding, going, yeah. there's something wrong here. I need to attack it and get it out. Yeah, exactly. So it's your body kind of like attacking itself, almost a little bit. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it really does no favors for you in any way, and obviously, um, you know, inflammation has been linked to things like, uh, I think, like type 2 diabetes and mm-hmm. hypertension and yeah. certain cancers and things like that. So um, what can people do, I guess, to make sure um, that they're not compromising their gut in that way? So one of the biggest killers, not even killers, but like the biggest impact on our gut health is actually stress. Really? Yeah, so stress plays a massive role. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially what it does is it, it breaks open those tight junctions that I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. So we need to get our stress under control. And whether that is coming here and having a sweat session and just really working out whatever you need to get out of your <laughs> system or going for a walk or just going outside. Like there's a lot of office workers that don't take a lunch break. Yeah, They don't get outside the office for the eight hours and they just – start to become this little stressed up Mm -hmm. little ball because there's just no break from it yeah and as well I think living in the city like we're really out of our natural environment like obviously we're really out of we're not near nature a lot even though you know you can definitely go within the city go to a park or go to the beach or whatever like you know there are areas where you can get that 
fixed, but you know, as a I guess as an animal, like we really need that kind of yeah, definitely. Uh, like oh, it really um, calms us down and things like that. Going outside, for example. Um, so if you're like in an office for eight hours a day, of course that's going to stress you out. It's mm-hmm. like being a you know a bear in a circus cage. Like exactly. It, yeah, it's horrendous for you. You need to get out. Mental health. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the other thing you can do is. Um, there's nutrients that you can do. So I'm sure everybody's heard of fermented foods. Yeah. So kombucha, kefir, uh, sauerkraut's a good one, um, kimchi. Mm-hmm. And would you say they, like, fast-track your, like, results if you're trying to get rid of inflammation or they're kind of essential to gut health? They're essential to gut health. So mm-hmm. they, um, basically, it's like by fermenting it, you're producing these bacteria mm-hmm. and they're consuming it so it can colonise in the bowel essentially to reduce the inflammation though you really need to do um take out the things that are going to cause inflammation so i always advise take a one week food diary and write down everything you've eaten any symptoms that you've had noting what time you ate what time your symptoms were and see if there's some kind of correlation between say you ate something at um lunchtime and then you know by five o'clock you had all these symptoms so you were feeling really bloated and gassy and just painful like there was a lot of trapped gas Mm -hmm. something you ate earlier that day has caused that kind of symptom Mm -hmm. so remove that from your diet and see so how how long if you are getting those symptoms would it be like say i had breakfast and i had something would i feel it after lunch or would i feel it straight away like is it it really depends on every person's own motility unfortunately (laughs) excuse me so if you've got um really good acid production Mm -hmm. stomach acid production you might have a faster motility than someone else if someone's got a slower bowel they're not might not be feeling the um symptoms for you know eight hours or something like that so it really depends on the person okay so there's no set there's no set one unfortunately (laughs) i kind of like i would say four to six hours it's like a good is a good range to see what kind of symptoms you're feeling so for example yeah if you have breakfast and then kind of just after lunch not feel it like you feel yeah that then you can probably attribute it to breakfast Mm -hmm. not lunch yeah correct yeah okay cool um, and I guess the other question that I was interested in is, um, I guess, how deeply genetics would be linked to your, like, your gut health. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because I, uh, we were obviously talking about it before, where you had these mice uh, which had fecal transplants, and what they did was um, they took, uh, I guess, skinny mice. Um, oh, sorry, they took the microbe attributed with skinny mice and put it in overweight mice. Yep and vice versa, and they swapped. Yeah. So it was actually the the um, the bacteria. Mi- yeah, the bacteria and the microbes that they swapped, which mm-hmm. caused either the weight gain or the weight loss. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was just wondering what your opinion was on, like, I guess how deeply genetics would be linked to that. I think genetics does play a big part. Mm-hmm. Um, even just looking at autoimmune conditions, you know, we are made of our parents and our family history, mm-hmm. essentially. All of our genetics and DNA come from previous generations. Is it possibly because, like, that's the microbes are also passed down? And they are, yeah. And then um, I don't want to get into the breastfed and not breastfed and vaginal yeah, yeah. birth versus cesarean thing, but each has its benefits as well. So yeah. um, your microbiome is also impacted by those things. Yeah. So it, it does play a huge part, but it doesn't play... It's not the be-all and end-all. It can be altered by the way that you eat as well. Yeah, so you say, so basically you say nutrition has a large benefit. Yes. Some things are genetic, but yeah. you can alter them using Correct. nutrition. Yeah. Yeah, you can get dealt a shit card, some shit cards. Oh, exactly. Fix them up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a terrible analogy for anyway. I knew what you meant. Yeah. Some there are second-hand cars that aren't very good. <laughs> you can fix them up. But you can fix them up and make them better. Okay, that was a better one. <laughs> okay, cool. And um, I guess what would be some symptoms that um, – so say you think, like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Like, um, what would be some symptoms that you can kind of rattle off to, to say, well, maybe you're not as fine as you think you yeah. are. Maybe you need to eat more vegetables. So I do ask a lot of probing questions in nutrition. <laughs> okay. We talk about poo a lot. Um, yeah. And I always ask this question first. Do you look at your poo? Mm. A lot of people don't. You need to start looking at your poo. <laughs> nice. It tells you a lot about your actual internal health. So mm-hmm. um, 
was it more diarrhea? So was it a loose stool or was it a constipated stool? Does it have cracks or veins on it? What colour is it? How easy was it to pass? Mm -hmm. When was the last time you went as well? You know, they're all important factors. Um, what else is there? Um, bloating symptoms. Mm -hmm. So is it gas or is it water retention that you're feeling? Um, a lot of people say, oh, I feel bloated. And I'm like, Do you, is it relieved by passing gas? Some say yes, some say no. More often than not, it's just trapped gas. So it's that inflammation and then um, it's squeezed together as inflammation does with swelling. It kind of squeezes mm -hmm. it um, or closes in the tube, so to speak. Um, and the gas can't pass through as easily, so it kind of gets trapped in there. Yeah. And can so you're saying to... there's so much um, like uh, swelling in the, in the actual tube of the intestines that almost like closes up or leaves very little space. It just for leaves things little to pass space. Through. Yeah, for mm. things to pass through. So if it's not relieved immediately by passing of gas, then it recirculates back in. Some of it's reabsorbed, some of it's not, and it just adds to that distension and pain mm -hmm. and obviously if you're sitting in a work environment and you've got a lot of gas it's not the easiest thing to pass in a working environment yeah. too so a lot of people tend to hold on to it yeah which then compounds the pain yeah. and the bloating and all that kind of stuff yeah I was watching a TED talk about this randomly um I don't know why but I was um about how the brain basically decides whether like you're gonna go and pass gas or whether you need to go to the toilet apparently yeah. there's like two points and one point is almost like subconscious and it'll hit that point and it'll be like where am I what am I doing can I do this now can I get away with it yeah <laughs> and like is it okay or do I need to like hold on to this for later um and then obviously this if that passes the test, then it will go to the second one, which is your sinker, I think. Yeah. Whatever the nerves are there that decide, like, okay, you need to go to the top now. Oh, uh, okay, yep, yep, yep. That makes sense. Yep, makes sense. Yep. But I will say, don't hold, like, if you can, don't hold a poo. Yeah, so I think if you... Um, hold it to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Don't just shit on the floor, yeah, I think it was more like, um, I guess, it doesn't really need to go through, but, like, yes. if it can go through, it will. Like, yeah. if you're at home and you're all of a sudden like, I need to go to the toilet. It's because it's like, we're at home, we can go, yeah. let's do it. Um, and then, um, but obviously, like, if it's been in there for a while and it needs to, like, go, it'll send it through anyway. Yeah. I think a lot of people, um, I know I used to do this as a child, and it's probably what compounded my IBS into an adult, mm -hmm. is that I had real public... Public toilet phobia. I'm still trying to get over it, but mm. I just, I never liked to go to the bathroom in a public toilet. I always wanted to go at home. Mm -hmm. um, so I would always hold as a child and would have to go at home. And I think that's kind of compounded my IBS symptoms. Yeah. Um, so holding it, it can really affect the way that your bowel functions as well. Okay. And what, what would be some of the consequences? I guess it just... Doesn't you work. Yeah, your brain doesn't recognise those uh, signals okay, anymore. Signals anymore. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so you become more constipated, essentially. Yeah. Right. So go to the toilet when you when you can when you can. Yeah. yeah. It's really important. Um, and then I guess with the movement of everything. Yep. A bowel movement. <laughs> the bowel movements. Um, I guess. Uh, what can you? What can it tell you um, about what's going on inside? Yeah. Like, so what does it? What does it indicate? It depends what kind of stool that you're having. So, if you're having a really loose stool, everything's passing through too quickly, and you're not getting the nutrients that you need. Okay. So, what do you mean by loose stool again? Diarrhea, Diarrhea. essentially. Okay. Um, so you worry. Or not a well formed. <laughs> so you want it to look like a sausage. <laughs> a sausage. Okay, so obviously if you are passing things too quickly, it means that you're not absorbing the nutrients yes. correctly. Yeah. Um, and that's when you get soft stools. So what would some of the things you need to do to um, improve that then be? First of all, are you drinking a coffee? And is it your reaction to the coffee? Because I know a lot of people will have a coffee in the morning and then have a bowel movement. 
Oh my god, I know someone that ha- happens to. <laughs> Trust me, it happens a lot. Yeah, so that's not really meant I to happen. I call it the daily fix for a reason. Yeah, so um, that's not meant to really happen. Like, you're not, like, because someone told me that it was just like because your heart rate goes up. It is, and, so it's the caffeine in it mm. that's essentially driving this adrenaline release, and adrenaline is quick, get everything out of the body. So that's why you're always going to have essentially an evacuation <laughs> after a coffee. Oh, um, that's a good word. Yeah, okay. Trying to make it formal here. <laughs> I know we keep trying to make it really like fancy, and yeah. It's just really checking out who, yeah. Um, so you know, if you're having coffee in the morning and that's your response, maybe just see if you can go to the toilet first before you have your coffee. I just want to know what that first bowel movement of the day. So essentially, we should all be having a bowel movement in the morning. Our large intestine in Chinese medicine clock is around 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. That's why a lot of people have a bowel movement first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're needing a coffee to have that bowel movement, then I would be looking at what else you're eating because you're obviously not getting enough fibre, maybe not getting enough water, all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. So then you look back at what um, yeah. the nutritional, I guess, intake is yes. and whether that might be a factor. Yeah. Okay, cool. I know a lot of people can't go without coffee, but give it a try. Yeah, <laughs> give right. Give it a try so for a week and just see what your bowels do. Yeah, right. So you cut coffee out for a week, basically, mm-hmm. and then see what's that. Which is hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I've seen people that are having eight coffees a day. Yeah, it's a lot of eight coffees. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's a bit excessive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's just pair it back a little bit. Yeah, so you have to do a bit of, um, I guess, uh, experimental work yeah. to kind of know what the issue is then. Correct, yep. yeah. And then the, the opposite end of the scale is constipation. Um, where you're not obviously going to the toilet as frequently and it's hard to pass and so you're leading to more impacted stools which is going to cause um, like a not a relaxed bowel but a, a stretched bowel mm-hmm. um, and that's going to make it hard to go to the toilet each time because it's going to stretch outwards as opposed to compressing down mm-hmm. so you want to be like squeezing like think of milking a cow you know how they kind of squeeze the <laughs> teeth that's what we call peristalsis, and that's actually how your bowel moves. Right, okay. So that squeezing kind of motion. Yeah, yeah. so that's how it pushes the poo through. Yep. Yep, okay, and that's what you want. You don't want it to, like, be too strained to, exactly. or, or you don't want it to stretch that way because it can't get past the yeah. next bit because there's compacted stool there. S- uh, so you don't want it to get wider. Correct. You want yep. to keep closing in on itself. Yes. Yep, and if it gets wider, what happens? If it gets wider, essentially you're going to have this hard bit of stool in the smaller bit mm-hmm. um, and then you're going to have um, a build-up essentially after it and that's where you're going to get, again, inflammation. Mm-hmm. You might Some people on really extreme cases, so a lot of um, cancer patients unfortunately mm-hmm. have this, is that the compacted school, stool you need to take a laxative because you've got to release it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and can you, uh, I'm not sure if you can, but can you actually reverse um, that damage that you've done or not really? With practice, yep. So what okay, cool. we um, encourage is even if you don't feel like you need to go, go sit on the toilet in the morning and kind of just wait. Wait, think about it, go, okay, I need to go kind of clench your stomach a little bit. Mm. Um, you can massage your stomach, so going mm. in a clockwise motion mm-hmm. so starting down on the right hand side and going up over around just like a circle around your belly button essentially just mm-hmm. to give it a little bit of massage see if you can get some movement going there get a squatty potty get a squatty potty yep yep our <laughs> toilets are definitely not user friendly no <laughs> yeah we i think we um had a i guess i talked about this before just how um, obviously, when you go to the toilet, um, you are meant to squat naturally. Like, yes. no one had toilets, you know, um, back when uh, we were hunter-gatherers or anything like that. So I guess that would be the natural way to do it. But mm-hmm. having um, a toilet actually cuts off um, or, or compresses it a part compresses. of your yeah, yeah, so it doesn't put bowel. you in the right um, body shape, for lack yeah. of a better word, so that you can have you can pass your poo easily. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, get a squatty potty. I think, like for me, that would be a good yeah. recommendation for people. Definitely. Yeah, I think they're, they're awesome. Um, okay, cool. So, and so what did we cover? We covered so, so you've what, got loose and hard stools. Yes. And then you've also got flatulence. Yep. Flatulence is a big one. So I know when we spoke about this, oh, I didn't bring it in, but uh-huh. <laughs> I actually downloaded the research article mm. to go. 
the amount of flatulence that is um, common or expected, you should be passing wind less than 20 times a day. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't really have a smell, so um, you don't want it to have that rancid kind of smell, as my husband calls it, the bum burner, um, <laughs> where it's really warm. That is not a good thing. <laughs> okay, because basically your bowel is fermenting food, so it's sitting there for so too long. So it's too long. Too long yeah. that it's sitting in there for. Okay, so you yeah. need to get that out. It is a natural, um, so flatulence or farting is a natural thing. Mm -hmm. It's just if you're doing it in excess then you're not working as function as you shouldn't be you're not functioning as well as you should be. Yeah, so you might be keeping things fermenting things in there too long if it smells yes. particularly bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um is there any other kind of symptoms that you might find um I don't know, like like does the sound matter? <laughs> it's not so much sound. That come that actually comes down to um just the tightness of your sphincter. <laughs> just positioning. <laughs> so if you, you know you some people are really stressed and have a tight sphincter, and so it's harder for them to pass. Okay. And other people are quite relaxed and they're right. more than comfortable. So it's more the volume and, um, I guess, the smells, which are yes. the, yep. the issue. It's, if it has a strong smell, you, you're over-fermenting your food. Okay, and what do you need to do to, to work on that? You need to work on your gut health, so that's bringing those fermented foods in. Um, you need to have a look again at that food diary and see if there's anything in there that um, you could be reacting to. There's a thing called FODMAPs, which is fermentable mm. oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. So mm -hmm. essentially all different types of sugars, mm -hmm. um, which come from fruits and veg. Google it. There's a whole heap of information on there, but it's all these different vegetables and foods that ferment longer in the gut and can be causing some issues. So you can try and take out those FODMAP foods initially mm -hmm. and then slowly reintroduce one, see how you go, mm. no reaction, reintroduce a second food. So I think a lot of people might have um, not, oh, I don't know if that, it would be like an issue, but for me the FODMAPs were quite surprising because they obviously uh, recommend taking things out like avocado. Uh -huh. And you yeah. know, for the longest time we get told how good avocado is for us. Yeah. So um, can you maybe just explain, like, why that stuff or why different – you might see different fruits and vegetables on there, which they recommend taking out um, uh, without going, I guess, like, into the deep details of it. But, yeah. you know, what is maybe the, the idea behind it? Like, why people – because people might be shocked by kind of the I foods that they suggest yeah, to take exactly. out there. Like you say, avocado is really healthy. And I kind of put avocado more in the fats category than I do in the carbs category. Yeah. But there is a portion of carbs to it. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially what you're doing is you're removing these foods so that you can allow um, your bacteria to colonize better. You need mm -hmm. to be taking a um, probiotic as well while mm -hmm. you're doing it um, so that you can make the bacteria spread out evenly across all the different types. Mm -hmm. um, and then by removing these foods, you're just allowing them to colonize and settle down and balance themselves out. And then by slowly reintroducing them, because they do need, they feed off the fermentation. So yeah. you do need the fermentation, but you just need to reintroduce the food slowly so that your body can adjust. So what happens is you eat the food mm -hmm. um, and it ferments in your gut and the bacteria eats off that fermentation. Yeah. So different foods will feed different yes. strains and colonies yeah. of types of the bacteria that's in there. Correct. So you want, so say, uh, let's say just avocado because it's uh, there. If you eat an avocado, it would feed a certain, or certain strains of bacteria in your gut. Would prefer that food source. Yes, yeah, but yeah. you're trying to kind of not, uh, is it because you're trying to reduce that amount of Bacteria, bacteria yeah. so and help the other ones correct, flourish. Yeah. So yeah. you've essentially got you'll essentially have. I hate using the word overgrowth, but you've got um, more compared to the others where you really want them in balance. Mm -hmm. So by removing that food, like you say, it's that's going to be its chosen food source that it prefers to eat. Mm -hmm. So by removing that, you're allowing it to die off, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Um, and balance itself out. Yeah. It's really like a little ecosystem down there. It totally um, is. Yeah, if you think about biodiversity and how different, um, I guess, animals live in different niches within, you know, a forest, for example. So you have, you know, the birds living high up in the trees that eat the insects that fly off the trees. You have the birds that, you know, make their nests in the trees, like maybe middle range, then below, then 
critters that dwell on the forest floor, you know, they've all carved their niche based on the certain food source that's there. So whatever you, I guess if there's like an overgrowth of fungi one year, the critters on the ground are going to flourish. If there's no insects at the top, the birds at the top are going to, you know, start to fail a little bit in their their colonies. So um, how do you know, so would you do tests to find out like what um, microbiomes are in your gut that are, you know, doing really well but maybe yes. need to like be cut back like yep. so depending on the symptoms that someone presents um i can send them for what we call a comprehensive digestive stool analysis mm-hmm. and it does look at all of those things so it looks at the common um the four common bacteria that are in the gut that mm-hmm. should be i guess the larger colonies mm-hmm. um it also looks at the short chain fatty acid production so that's another part of the fermentation it looks at um the dysbiosis what the stool looks like, all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. And then you can find out what you would need to eat, I guess, Correct. to yep. have like a better gut health. Yeah. Cool. I did it for a guy recently and he was actually missing the two big, so he had no lactobacillus and he had no bifidobacteria. Mm-hmm. And what were like his symptoms that he was experiencing? He had really loose stools, mm-hmm. but other than that, nothing. Okay, so but he was... he's got an autoimmune condition. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of plays into gut health. If you've okay, got a cool. compromised gut, then your immune condition is going to flare up. So he could potentially reduce that autoimmune condition by having a healthy gut? Control the symptoms. So being okay. autoimmune, we can't oh, yes. um, cure it, essentially. Yeah. You'll always have it, but you can control and manage the symptoms. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, I suppose the only other thing that I would be interested in is talking about, um, I guess, um, antibiotics um and how they affect your gut health because um obviously uh i suppose uh in a not in australia but in western society there's probably an over yeah an over prescription (laughs) of antibiotics to fix things um uh, i had a really bad chesty cough um just recently and um you know every second person would be like oh you should just go get some antibiotics and i just was it's not that it needs antibiotics, it's just viral. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't have fever, I'm not getting worse. Um, and these are some of the things I guess you can attribute to whether it's bacterial or yes. um, viral. Yeah. Um, and you can't treat a viral infection with antibiotics. No. Um, and obviously if you have a bacterial infection, um, you know, like you have um, a UTI or whatever it is, um, or a, um, a bacterial chest infection or something like that, like you absolutely need antibiotics. I'm yeah. by no way saying that you should not go and get them. Um, but the point that I guess we want to get across is that antibiotics, um, they are not needed unless you have that um, bacterial infection. They can't yeah. get it work on viruses. The thing with antibiotics is that um, it generally, it's not specific. So when you're mm-hmm. consuming antibiotics, it's just going in there for the kill. So it's going to wipe out everything in the gut as opposed to just specifically target what you're after. Yeah. So I can't say, oh, this is the UTI bacteria, go in there and kill that. Um, it's going to wipe out every bacteria you have in your body to Not try Not completely, and, but it does, yeah, it does basically reduce the amount of bacteria that you've got in there. So after, and in some instances, you know, we need to be taking antibiotics like, let's not – I don't want to poo-poo antibiotic use. Yeah, yeah, no. It no, is no. needed in a lot of things. But if you do need to take them, always follow it up with a probiotic. Yeah. And it, depending on how long you've taken those antibiotics for as well is – so if you've had to take the antibiotics for, just say, a week, I would say do a month's course of probiotics. Mm-hmm. If you took it for a month, I would say do at least two to three months' worth of probiotics because you just want to recolonize that bowel. And what type of probiotics, um, I suppose, should people be taking? Like, obviously – with anything, I suppose quality would matter. Yes. Um, do you have any, I guess, brands you would personally recommend or I guess any, like, do you, can you make them at home? I have no idea. Um, you can make it home in terms of um, all your fermented foods. Yeah. But in terms of brands, um, I tend to recommend with my clients Biosuticals because mm-hmm. it's so easily accessible mm-hmm. and it is a practitioner brand. Um, if I want to hit them with something a little bit harder, I can go – to my exclusive practitioner brands, but I find that the Biosuticals brand is a really good, reputable brand, mm-hmm. and the quality of the product that they have available to the everyday consumer is um, a really good option. So a good general probiotic that I recommend is called Biosuticals Ultrabiotic 45. Mm-hmm. 
just a good multi-strain. So it used to be the highest dose on the market, but now there is higher ones accessible to us practitioners. Right, okay, so you can prescribe yep. a higher... Like, I can give sachets that have 500 billion units in it. <laughs> okay, cool. Do you get that... And do you, do you get them from the chemist? Like, do you prescribe it like a like a doctor or do you just give it to your clients? Um, um, so it depends. I can order it in or mm-hmm. I can just give them access to a client ordering system and they yeah. can order it direct. Okay, cool. Um, and I suppose what um, are some of the things that your clients have said... Um, or some of the results that you've seen from them doing that kind of like high level of um, probiotics? It really does depend. So um, some people have a really tough time because often in nutrition we have what we call the die-off phase where Mm -hmm. um, essentially the overgrowth of bacteria is trying to find it to stay and Mm -hmm. so it does cause a bit of... um, bit more flatulence than what you'd prefer so mm-hmm. it does make a lot of people uncomfortable but if you can just I always start low and slow as we call it mm-hmm. and start low and slow just get through the first week see how your symptoms are going communicate with me as well I want to yeah. know what's going on and then after a week we'll see how you're going we might increase it a little bit more so it just depends with everybody okay cool so you might um get some type of you might get no, a little bit more gas yeah, exactly. than what you when you're thinking, crude, I'm taking a probiotic, I'm meant to be feeling better for yeah. this. You will, you've just got to get through this short term thing. Okay, cool. So yeah. Not like a side effect, I guess, but No. Yeah, you have to kind of get through that first week of your and body. It's only some people. Yeah, it's only yeah. some people. It depends what's going on with your gut personally. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess the last thing I wanted to say was, like, in general, what would you recommend, um, firstly, avoiding to eat and, secondly, um, to eat more of uh, for, I guess, uh, good gut health and to help us deal with, um, I guess, the integrity of the gut being compromised? Yeah, so in general terms, um, I hate saying this, but a lot of people are really reactive to wheat and dairy. Mm-hmm. Wheat um, isn't the wheat that we grew up with. Yeah. They really process it now and unfortunately they use um, Roundup, I'm going to use the general term, Roundup mm-hmm. on it. So, so like pesticides. Pesticides, and... exactly. So it's what's, I find that the research that's starting to come through is that that's what people are reacting mm-hmm. to, not so much the wheat itself yeah. as well, obviously autoimmune conditions aside. Um, but also dairy because as we age, our lactase enzyme decreases so a lot of people react to milk as well so they tend to be the common ones that a lot of people do need to remove Mm -hmm. instead of saying remove though I say just reduce it and have it one to two times a week because they do provide a lot of nutrients as well Um, I did a seminar recently and they were talking all about allergies and they were actually saying and it was something that I'd always tried to treat in this way that um intolerances are more you reach your level of tolerability Mm -hmm. so instead of I'm intolerant to it I can't eat it at all you shouldn't completely remove it from your diet you should just reduce the amount that you're having so your body um, on a sliding scale of 0 to 10 maybe you can eat it two times a week and your body's not going to react to it but you know if you're eating it four to five times then your body's going to start reacting so you're reaching your tolerability level yeah and again it's experimentation it all depends on yeah. the person. So there's no hard and fast rule with that one. Um, so they're, the, I guess, the two big ones. We're definitely not eating enough vegetables nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I know the Australian government says a five and two, but it really should be more than that. Mm. Um, look at your plate when you listen to these guys and go home to dinner that night. Have a look at your plate and count the amount of colours in your veggies that are on your plate. So I always say count colours, not calories, Mm. because you should be having essentially the rainbow on your plate every night. And I want you to have at least three to five at every meal. Yeah. Um, And I suppose, like, obviously, (laughs) um, with, like, pesticides being such a, a big issue, like, we're talking about trying to have, like, organic... Um, sustainably farmed. Yeah, where um, possible. I, yeah, where possible. Do like, within your means as well. You know? Yeah, if you exactly. can afford that, please do choose that because it's yeah. going to be better for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess also, um, oh, I was going to say something now, but it's gone. That's all right. Um, was it along the lines of um, all the pesticides and things like that, or just the foods that we're at? Oh, it was, I was going to ask about. Um, so with bread, obviously, um, 
it's you know highly processed and mm-hmm. things like that so for a long time like I just cut it out but actually what I find is if you go somewhere and you find um, like sou- a sourdough mm-hmm. or um, any other type of bread which has like a really long fermentation process mm-hmm. um, and really good quality organic grains um, you don't you, react yeah you don't react mm-hmm. it's really really interesting um, so I'll post like there's a place in uh, Brookvale called yes, uh, Berkeley, which amazing. is yeah, really, really good. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's also that fermentation process um, that that's doing some of the breaking yeah, down exactly. for you already. Yeah, and they're also bringing back, I guess, what they call ancient grains. So, yes. yeah. uh, which is quite interesting. So there's a lot of I was reading. There's a lot of kind of artisan bakeries in New York and stuff, and they have these obscure fields like. Um, in the country, but they grow grains that were around 10,000 years ago mm-hmm. that were wild. Because um, obviously now, because of the way, I guess, in, uh, farming has been industrialised, it's just one type of grain, mm-hmm. and that's it. It's the most durable, grows in any condition. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we were saying, like, variety is really important for your gut health. So, um, you know, you said, like as many different colours as you can on the plate, it's the mm-hmm. same thing, like as many different types of grains, as many yes. different types of foods as you yeah. can, um, and it will ultimately like promote a healthier gut. Correct, yeah, because they don't all have the same amount of nutrients or the same nutrients in it. Mm. So the more variety that's in your diet, the better. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's probably one of the other things that I took away um, from changing my diet was just having uh, like lots of different vegetables in it and kind of learning to cook with new things, you know. For mm-hmm. a long time, I just was like, yep, broccoli and, like, maybe sautéed mm-hmm. spinach and yeah. some tomato. Like, it was very much the same thing over and over again. Um, and then, I guess, over the years, it's just kind of changed to, you know, a, a really wide variety of different, you know, foods and um, vegetables for yeah, sure. Yeah, which is awesome and seasonal as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jess, well, thanks so much for coming in. Um, I enjoyed talking about farts with you. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, guys, um, Jess is going to tell you where you can find her if you want to get in contact with her or ask her any questions um, or fix anything with your gut health. Yeah, perfect. So you guys can find me at jessicaworth.com or I'm on Instagram and Facebook at jessicaworthnutrition. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for coming in, Jess, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for today, ladies. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more of our incredible value-packed content, you can find us through these three names, at Tone, at AllGPT, and at Kayla Lee Physio on Instagram. And guys, we would love it if you could please give us a five-star rating on iTunes or whichever podcast app you're using. And also leave a positive comment in the comment section. If you have any friends or family that would also love our podcast, we'd appreciate very much the recommendation. Until next time, girls, stay strong.